This is Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap at KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke, and I am here with Corey Litton. Yeah, hey. I uh, <laughs> I might be missing a few like fillings in my teeth after the drive over here, though. Why? There's some uh, there's some rumble strips on the way here, and driving a pickup, you know, it's not exactly the smoothest ride through it. Uh, so I think it might have shook all the fillings that I had. Loose. Sure. Are you taking thirty uh, second? Uh, uh, no, not going that, not going yeah, that far. So you're not supposed to go around those barricades. No, no, <laughs> no I've, uh, thankfully I don't have to use that direction to get on the way here, but not from Duffy's or anything like that. Okay. So. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, we are here for the April 20th, 2023 edition of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Again, remember you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts you can go to kfgo.com. You can find us there, Spotify, anywhere. Like I said, you get your favorite podcast. Go ahead and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And let's get going with NASCAR results. They were not on dirt this week. <laughs> no, they were actually on Sunday, April 16th at the Martinsville Speedway, Martinsville, Virginia, the home of the world-famous hot dog. Uh, stage number one was 80 laps out of the 400 that were total run. Ryan Priest took the lead right away and uh, decided to run away from everyone for a while, which, you know... I mean that's a that's a different one. I'm not used to seeing Ryan Priest out front. Where that's you know that's good for him. Yeah. And uh, Justin Haley, ten laps in, uh, made an aggressive three wide move on Eric Jones and Austin Sindrick. Sindrick lost several positions after being shuffled up to the high side on the historically bottom lane dominant racetrack. The Stuart Haas Fords at one time were the class of the field, especially in stage one, holding on to four of the top six positions. I think they were first, third, fifth, and sixth at one point. In time. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yep. Uh, the stage came uh, to a close with Priest leading every lap of the caution-free run for his first stage win of his career with Eric Almarola, uh, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, Kevin Harvick, Bubba Wallace, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, more on him later, uh, William Byron, <laughs> uh, all finishing in the points. And that moves us right away to stage number two. Yes, and that also brought everyone to pit road, and it was Ryan Priest making it out first with Daniel Suarez second, Eric Almarola third, Tyler Reddick fourth, and Kevin Harvick in the fifth spot. Priest again jumped out to the lead on the start and quickly put a gap on Almarola, Suarez, and the rest of the field. On lap 133, the first caution of cause came out. That was when Eric Jones got into the back of Harrison Burton, causing Burton to spin out. That meant pit stops, and once again, Ryan Priest won the race off pit road, followed by Daniel Suarez, Almirola, Todd Gilliland, and Kevin Harvick. But Priest was a little too fast off pit road and had to restart on the tail end of the lead lap. That ha- handed the lead over to my guy, Ross Chastain, who stayed out. That was a great move, by the way. That was, was running. That was probably the move of the race. Yeah, running 25th to 30th back there, stayed out, and uh, that brought him up. And again, we'll we'll have more on him later. But he took off as the field attempted to wreck behind him. It did. It was a little rough on this on that restart. Yeah, yeah. They got they got chippy back there. <laughs> uh, with 14 to go in the stage, Harvick made a charge for the lead, taking it over officially on lap 168. Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, and Brad Keselowski followed Harvick into the top five as Chastain's tires faded. Kevin Harvick won the stage with Chase. Briscoe 
Frisco, Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, Todd Gilliland, Daniel Suarez, Eric Almirola, and Kyle Larson scoring stage points. And the final stage, the race to the finish, 220 laps. It was Chase Briscoe winning uh, the race off of Pitt Road with Harvick second, Keselowski third, Hamlin fourth, and Almirola fifth. Briscoe got a good restart and brought his teammate Kevin Harvick with him. The field settled into uh, conservation mode and set to set up for the finish. Uh, Briscoe, Harvick, and Hamlin stayed nose to tail, even as traffic, uh, as they got into traffic as the laps clicked off. Denny Hamlin made a uh, challenge for the lead on lap 255. Briscoe fought hard, but Hamlin took the lead outright on lap 258. Pit stop started with 113 laps to go, but just before they all finished up a, uh, as uh, a just before they all finished up, a right rear tire came off of Anthony Alfredo's car. Not very tasty on that. No, no. Nope. Uh, bringing out the caution with 98 laps to go. So Daniel Suarez won the race off of pit row with Harvick in uh, second. Bubba Wallace in third. Joey Logano, who we haven't heard from at all in this race because he had to start at the tail end of the of the field at the beginning. Yeah. Um, he ended up in fourth out of the deal uh, coming off of pit road. Denny Hamlin in fifth. The off-sequence pit stops meant that Chase Briscoe would take over the race lead with Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Kevin Harvick rounding out the top five for the restart with 88 laps to go. The caution flew for the third time for a cause when J.J. Yaley slammed the turn three wall with 58 laps to go. That looks kind of, looked kind of scary for those rigid race cars that they have now. It didn't look like a tire went down. It looked like the thing just took off. Yeah. It. It, it looked like, uh, you know, like, he didn't do it on purpose like your guy, Ross Chastain. <laughs> um, thankfully, he was okay, though. Uh, that brought everybody to pit road. Kyle Larson's crew gambled with a two-tire stop that put him in the lead. Daniel Suarez also took two tires, and he came out in the second spot. Briscoe took four tires and came out in third. Harvick did the same and came out in fourth. Ryan Blaney took two tires and ended up in fifth. Another guy we didn't hear from at all right. during the whole race. Yep. Uh, Harvick came down to the right front flat tire during the, during the caution. He had to come in for a second stop, and that pretty much killed his momentum for the rest of the day. Joey Logano, Eric Amarola, Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. all stayed out, putting them in front of Larson. The race went back to green with 46 laps to go. Logano took off in the lead, but Larson knifed his way through the field and just six laps moved up to second and was closing up on Logano. Larson was on the back bumper of Logano with 35 laps to go and made his move and ran side-by-side side for five laps until Larson eventually took over the top spot with 29 to go. Larson had built up on over 3.6-second lead as he caught traffic with 11 laps to go, and that takes us to the final lap. Yes, here is the final lap from NASCAR.com. Now listen closely because I've got some heartburn with this that we'll get to <laughs> in just a second. Here you go. Final lap, NASCAR.com. All right, Larson rounds off turn number four. White flag, one lap to go, sponsored by Credit One Bank. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Bobby. <laughs> Truex is all over Logano for second. One last-ditch effort here in three and four. What a comeback. Kyle Larson continues the Hendrick dominance at Martinsville. I don't even know what to say. I never thought I would hear. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> mm. Great pit stop. Great execution. Great strategy. Great job all around, guys. That battle for second. Don't worry that you couldn't see it because neither could we watching it on television. <laughs> yeah, they. you know, um, you kind of tech 
you kind of want the uh, guys that are calling the race to call the screen. It's a point of contention on my part, too. At times, you know, when I'm watching any streaming service that's calling a race or watching any uh, live broadcast on TV or anything like that, if they're not calling the screen, I get a rate. Yeah, that's kind of a it's kind of an unwritten rule. I shouldn't say it's unwritten. I, I uh, a while back on Reddit, I found these things that had they had the the handwritten notes from Vince McMahon uh-huh. on how to call a wrestling match. Okay, and one of the main things that was repeated over and over and over was when all else fails, call the screen. Yeah, and in and at times it was written in very large handwriting. Yeah, call the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so. Larson was going to win unless something wild happened. He blows a tire or who knows what. He could have probably even run out of gas at that point and he would have won the race. But that battle for second seemed like it was really good. And they just showed Larson the whole time, but they're talking about the battle for second. They have more than one camera. <laughs> well, they have the ability he, to show uh, more than one screen at the same time uh, on the ca- on the shot too where uh, they can put a put a camera on Larson, put him up in the corner. Put the put the other screen on the on the big battle going on behind them. If yeah. you're going to talk about it, make sure it's on the screen. That's also on the producer too. If yeah, we, the producer has you know it's like you know maybe they're talking about something pretty awesome. Maybe we should show it. Yeah. So you know I I, I gripe about this, and I suppose there could be an argument made that it, maybe if you don't like it, why don't you go apply for the job? But I mean, it's not it, like I haven't it, tried. It, it, it's it seems like. It seems to me like that happens a lot lately. Like there's a lot of great battles around the track and we're watching the guy in in first place who's you know he's got it locked up. Yeah. In 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 this case he won by over 4 seconds. Right. Uh yeah. <laughs> Lee just kept getting bigger and bigger. Larson crossed the line at over 4 seconds ahead of Joey Logano for his 21st win of his career, second win in 3 races and then he did a Polish victory burnout. <laughs> he did the Polish victory lap, but he started it in turn two, and he did it as a burnout all the way around, and he did it all the way around to back to turn two, and that's when the tires blew. I mean, okay. he couldn't have timed that any better. I didn't watch the rest. I don't know why I didn't watch the uh, all of that, but I, I had shut the television off. Oh, uh, When I initially watched it, I was not in the state to really remember it, that, so that's why I usually watch it two or three times afterwards to make sure I get it you know, close to right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Chase Briscoe rounded out the uh, the top five, other, or top ten, excuse me, and then other uh, drivers of note, my guy Ryan Blaney capitalized on a smart pit strategy to finish seventh. Your guy Ross Chastain got 13th. Chase Elliott finished in 10th on his first race back after breaking his leg. By the way, a track where you have to, especially now that they make them shift mm-hmm. out there. I mean, that's that can't be an easy one to come back from when you break a leg. No. Um, early race leader Ryan Priest recovered to finish in the 15th spot after the speeding penalty. And point leader Christopher Bell, who uh, another guy we never never heard from all day, ended up, re- ended up finishing in the 16th spot. Yes, and for points, that leaves Christopher Bell in the lead with 302 points. Ross Chastain second, five points back. Third is Harvick, 15 points back. Then Kyle Larson, 17 points back. And rounding out the top five in points is Martin Truex Jr., 36 points behind Christopher Bell. And in the ratings right now, NASCAR earned a 1.26 rating with 2.218 million viewers, which is up from the Sunday race or the Saturday race from the year before on the FS1 average and um and up overall on the FS1 average. So for the first uh, it's the first ratings increase for a NASCAR points race this year. 
Wow. So that's the first one that went upwards. Okay. Uh, NBC got a .61 rating with 1.026 million viewers for Sunday's IndyCar race at Long Beach. And all these figures are according to Adam Stern on Twitter. All right. And so if it's wrong, it's his fault. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and uh, next up is uh, this Sunday, April the 23rd, at one of my fa- favorite tracks, Talladega Super Speedway. That's on Fox at 2 o'clock. That's ha- that track's haunted, you know. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You, you never heard that? I don't think so. Uh, that's where uh, Bobby Isaac pulled off because he was hearing voices. <laughs> and there's been some weird things over the year, the years that have happened at that racetrack. They've been very unexplainable. and. Huh. Obviously, that's the track that really invented the the big one. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's haunted, crazy. Yes, very crazy. All right, on to our winter views portion of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. We are on the line with the Ripper Ryan Satter from Dent, Minnesota. Ryan is a IMCA stock car and Wissota street stock race car driver. Ryan, welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Ryan, we, we've had you on uh, the regular Checkers and Wreckers show years ago, though. I think it was. I think you're still in college. Um, so um, how about you kind of catch us back up with uh, what what you've been doing since then? I mean, I think at the time you were sitting, uh, you just passed your dad in uh, the family record for, for uh, track championships, and you just started to pick up a few wins. But you've been on a roll since then. Just kind of tell us what you've uh, what you've accomplished since about that time. Um, yeah, so that's probably been about 2015, I suppose. So since 2015, I, I've, uh, continued to race the Wissota Street Stock kind of more locally in the last couple of years. Um, but we did travel there for a handful of years and, uh, won some races in Canada and the Dakotas, um, and then we did race uh, one of those crate late models, those limited late models, uh, Fergus and Alec, and uh, picked up some wins with them. And then uh, 2020, it must have been, or 2021, um, I got the opportunity to drive a, a stock car for TRC race cars and kind of figure out what this whole IMCA world is, is all about. So it's been kind of fun. So getting into that, um, did you get it? So there, there's a there is a division between the IMCA world and the Wasota world out there. Did you get a lot of guff from your Wasota friends that you were getting an IMCA car? Not really. Um, in the Wasota world, uh, if there's any class that really catches the outsider's eye, it's a stock car. Um, you know, when you think IMCA, the stock car is what comes comes to people's mind. That's kind of seems to be be the, the crowd crowd favorite and uh they just they, they put on phenomenal racing so once they i got one everyone was like what do you think you know how does it compare what's the difference you know what are they as fun to, to drive as they are to watch and there's a lot of them questions so ryan i've got a question uh, for somebody who who just doesn't know uh, they come out to the dirt track, and somebody sits a IMCA stock car next to a Wissota Street stock car. Uh, how do they know the difference? Can uh, can you tell? Um, if you're a new race fan and you're not around them very often, no, they they're really really similar. Um, 
the obvious differences that you start to pick out is tires. Um, some of the body rules are little minute, just little differences. Um, and then the chassis setback itself, an, an IMCA stock car, actually the, the chassis and the roll cage around the driver is set back further than it was so to street stock. Hmm. Now, okay. What does that do as far as like changing the handling between the two? Basically, it, it puts rear percentage built right into the car because um, everything is shifted backwards. Your motor is still in the stock location, but then the rest of the car, you, you, you're pulling back about 10 inches. And uh, I think that's, that might be part of why you see these stock cars picking that left front off the ground more regular than a Wasota car. Okay, so everything is set back on the IMCA stock car compared to the whistle. Yep. Okay. So does that make it any safer or is it just about the same? It, it just, just more of a, more of a looks kind of a thing. Yeah, it's just more of a looks thing. A chassis, um, the way they build them, they're, they're very, both of them are very structurally safe. You know, you still got a full framed stock framed car and, uh, depending on the builder, they're still building some of the best cages that, I've ever been on the dirt track today. And you've had some success right away when you got into that stock car. Right? I mean, was it a big, big change to try to drive it differently or did just, I mean, was it just automatic? It was pretty much the same, just slightly different. There was some, some big changes. Um, one of them was just the tires. The tire compound is considerably different between the two and to get, a grasp on on the tire was a little bit um and then the stock car is just a little bit more of an erratic it takes the, what you feel in the driver's seat and it multiplies it in my opinion it's just more responsive more erotic um erratic feel yeah uh yeah i'm kind of with you on that one i mean there's a little bit of a different sound to them also correct yeah, they do. I would say as of 2022, um, Wasota did allow headers on their on their cars now. Um, where years past, they'd run the stock manifolds and the, the big, long two-into-one exhaust systems. And so that was when a car, like when it, you put the, the two cars on the track together, you could pick it out by the sound up until the recent year or so. Because that stock car was just, obnoxiously loud <laughs> and ryan satters our guest here in checkers and wreckers victory lap on kfgo.com kfgo app you can find us out there as well too um ryan um with uh obviously with jumping into the imca stock car now too but, but a lot of tracks around this area still have with soda street stocks does it make it difficult to figure out where you're going to be racing next yeah what what kind of it's nice because on thursday nights um you kind of got two options. You're either going to Norman County Raceway in Ada with IMCA car, which is about an hour and a half for me, or you're two and a half hours south down to Wilmer, Minnesota to race with soda. And uh, historically, Ada was kind of, that, that, that's where I, my home track on Thursdays. That was when I raced with soda back in the day. And then they made the switch to IMCA. And then I, I kind of went away from there for a few years. And now I'm happy to be back. Um, Fridays, it's awfully hard to drive past I-94 Speedway with the with soda car. 
that's a half hour from home and, and Don Shaw and them just run an, an awesome facility and show there. Um, and Saturdays, yeah, I think we're going to just kind of throw a dart at the map and say, hey, let's go to Brainerd, let's go to Alex, let's go to who knows where we might end up. And also, yeah, the it's it's changed a little bit too. Where now uh, on Thursday nights, um, uh, Lisbon has now picked up uh, has changed to Thursday nights too. So you'd have another option with your Wasota Street stock. Yes, I've seen they uh, they made the switch there, and I'm excited to see how that works out for them. Um, with with Glendon taking street stocks in on Sundays now, and Lisbon keeping them on Thursdays, I I really hope the the overall health of the class, it helps it. Um, it, it is a good class, and the, the numbers been been strong, and I think we got a few more guys this year coming into the division. Um, so it gives them that option up here with the whole IMCA was sort of split. It, you know, we kind of lost guys, gained guys. Um, so it's kind of nice to have a balance where a guy can race Thursdays or he can go, you know, he can go one way or the other within two hours of home. Yeah, that's not not bad. You you pretty much are centrally located with that. Uh, yeah, because you're not too far from Ogilvy, Minnesota, that races on Saturdays. Also, um, yeah, you, you got you got some good options uh, for you out there. So, uh, speaking of which, you know, what's something that you ha- you haven't done yet in either or car or anything else that you might want to try sometime? What's something you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? A win at Glendon. I've never, I've only raised Glendon a handful of times in my life, and uh, I just cannot get the win. I just have not been able to pick up that elusive win. So this year, that's kind of on the list. We're going to, with them bringing the Wasota Street Stocks in, we're going to pop in there a few Sundays and, and try to get that off the list. And then uh, I just, I want to just keep winning in that stock car. I want to try to get some bigger shows and, um, head down to Iowa and see if we can run with the Murdys and, and that crew. Would you consider doing like the Dakota Mod Tour at some time also? Because I know that's pretty tough competition out there as well. Has that ever kind of crossed your mind to try that one out? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jamestown, I believe, is the only racetrack on that tour that I've been to. Um, I've been, well, I was at Mandan, as if Mandan's on there, but, um, other than that, that is all. Are you, oh, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yep, we're there. Sorry, we thought we lost so, you there for a second. I, uh, but yeah, I, the, the Dakota Mod Tour has definitely been in the back of our mind. I just wanted to get our IMCA program a little bit better. I knew we had room to get better and to, to be able to run with that, that quality of cars out there. So I think we're close. All right, I, that sounds pretty awesome. Again, Ryan Satter is our guest here on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap on uh, KFGO.com. Um, Ryan, uh, so we kind of talked a little bit about what you're going to be doing this year. Um, I mean, so what what is uh, what is what's really next for you as far as uh, if if you're going to maybe jump up into another class again, or do you, would you want to give a modified or a late model a try out at any time in your career? Yeah, that's kind of been uh, the little discussion going on at the race shop right now. Um, I think we're going to start phasing out of the, the street stock program. I got I sold all my 
street stock stuff except for the the car that's sitting there. All my spare parts are gone. Everything. So we're looking at possibly a super stock, possibly a late model, something like that. The open wheel thing just hasn't really intrigued me a ton. So we'll uh, kind of see what the summer brings and then uh, maybe make a game plan for next winter. Okay, so I got a big hypothetical for you. Say we have a, a major drought for 10 years. And you're still racing in 10 years. Which car are you bringing to race at WeTown? <laughs> um, probably this. Probably between the two that I have now or any car. Uh, with, between the two you have now. Between the two I have now, probably the stock car. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, and, of course, you know, your dad is a former track champion at the, at the WeTown Outlaw Speedway. Um, I mean, how cool would it be just to have the opportunity to even make a lap around that track on a, on a place that your dad really ripped around pretty good? If I had the capability of getting that place back up and running, I would do it in a heartbeat. I, you get around that Fergus Falls area, even up into Fargo, and you talk to the, the local racing crowd that, that went and knew the place. I, I think anybody you talk to that, in that in that era, that group would be all about it. That that place was awesome from the sounds of it and the videos I've watched. Yeah, just the nostalgia. It's like going to uh, North Wilkesboro, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would be pretty awesome uh, for that to get going here once again. I know that would. I, I mean, I'd I'd quit a couple of tracks to go work there. Um, so. Ryan, is there anybody you really like to thank right now? And is there any way we can, you know, find you on social media or anything and follow how you do this year? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, first I got to thank my mom and dad and my fiance Carly for allowing me to do this crazy hobby, and then uh, PRC Race Cars for letting me drive that stock car, uh, Scott's Machine Shop for putting motors in them, Woolock Construction for uh, keeping me going, and all my great sponsors back home. I got a Facebook page, Ryan Satter Racing, and on there I list all my sponsors. You can go check them out and um, all of our merchandise, where we're going next, how we did the night before. We, we keep that pretty up to date. That's pretty awesome. You mentioned Scott's Machine Shop. That brings me back to another story that I, I got to uh, see. And it's something I haven't seen in a long time where um, you got – you got protested one night out at the uh, Viking Speedway in Alexandria, and Scott your, is your engine builder, and he was he was there helping out with the whole whole uh, whole process and everything going on. So first off, kind of tell us what happens when you get protested. So yeah, I we went down to Alexandria for a double header that weekend, and we had raced the full season there, and I think we at that point we won ten of the. 11 or 12 shows that year so there was obviously some chitter chit chat going on about you know how how can one car dominate that much and something can't be right and so we in the back of my head i kind of knew that was coming so we go into that double header weekend and saturday night pull into the tech shed and the tech guy goes you're getting protested tonight um being it's a double header, we're going to, Wasota gives you the option to either tear the motor down right then and there, sight on scene, 
or they confiscate your race car right then and there and allow you to race it the next night. So I opted to do that. So I, I gave them, I gave up my race car Saturday night. I come back Sunday. They unlocked my race car from the shop, gave it to me at race time, raced it that night. And then they, after the feature, they confiscated it and brought it into the tech shed and said, here you go. Take it down to bare block. So they literally just completely disassembled the motor all the way apart in underneath the grandstand is pretty much what I'm getting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Crank, um, rod, pistons, heads were off, the whole, everything out. Wow. <laughs> wow. And so how much does it cost to protest somebody? And, you know, um, how did you come up? How, how did you come out in this uh, situation? So... Anybody can protest the motor for $300. It costs 300 bucks for a complete engine teardown. Um, and anybody can do it to anybody. And, uh, so they give the tech guy 300 bucks. They tear, watch you tear your motor apart. They come in with all their scales, measuring tools, pumping, everything. They, I mean, they don't leave anything unchecked. And then at the end of it, I was 100% legal. They give me the $300 that was up for the protest and give you your motor back in boxes and say, here you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also, you were also, you were 100% legal, but didn't you also find out that there were actually a couple things you could have done to make it even better? Yeah, so uh, we're actually the engine guy was weighing, weighing all the valves and this and that, and he goes, wow, you guys are actually, we were way under on compression. We were way under on or way heavy on our crank. We were way heavy on our valves, just like all these things. And he's like, you guys, this is like bone stock. Like you guys don't do anything. You know, he's <laughs> like, you guys can do this and you can do that. <laughs> and my engine builder's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we went back into the machine shop and did. Yeah. <laughs> so that has to feel pretty good to, to uh, be vindicated in that situation too. It was, I think it, it was kind of, that, that whole summer, we just, everything went our way. We had a really good year. And and July, August, you really started to hear the, the chatter. And, um, you know, somebody's going to be tearing you down. It's going to be happening. It's got to happen. And but when it finally did and it comes back and it's, hey, you're 100% legal. This is good to go. That was kind of a... Uh, weight off my shoulders and i think it made some other guys i hope it made other guys look at their program and and uh step it up (laughs) well ryan uh again thank you very much for taking some time with us here today on checkers and records victory lap kfjo.com um that's uh that's pretty much it from us and we'll let you get back to work and thanks again man Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And good, good luck this year. Hope to run into you quite a bit more now that they have that Sunday thing out of Buffalo River. Oh, we'll see you there. <laughs> All right. Thanks Thank, again, man. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Okay. Thanks to Ryan Satter for joining us. Uh, that uh, was interesting, and I'm I'm glad uh, that he talked a little bit about the differences between the cars. I think that's something that uh, we'll try to do periodically as we as we move forward here, just, just so people who are – new to the game 
can kind of understand what's going on. But well, me- and even with me, I'm you know not new to the game with it, but I'm not exactly very mechanical about it either. So sure. it's kind of nice to really get that insight from people. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So moving on to a different breed of car, the World of Outlaws raced this past weekend. Uh, they were supposed to have a doubleheader, but unfortunately they rained out on Saturday. But we did have the Friday night edition, Friday, April 14th, Federated Auto Parts uh, Raceway at I-55 in uh, Peavley, Missouri. David Gravel got the whole shot, while Brad Sweet, Carson Macedo, and Donnie Schatz battled three wide on behind them. Sweet was able to break three and, and break free and throw a slider on Gravel, but Gravel led lap number one with a nice little crossover move. One lap later, Macedo got by Sweet for second. But Gravel was running away with the lead. Macedo was able to catch up to Gravel as the leaders were in traffic, but then the caution flag flew on lap number eight for Garrett Williamson, who was off of the pace. Uh, Macedo and Gravel battled side by side of the restart, but the red flag came out on lap 14 for Anthony Macri, who tipped over, collecting Joe B. Miller, uh, Tim Essenson, and Sam Hafertief Jr., Justin Peck, and Jason, uh, Jacob Allen were also involved in that incident. Essenson was unable to continue on. Uh, Carson Macedo capitalized on Gravel sliding up a little bit too high on uh, lap 23 to take the lead, but Gravel got it back on the following lap. This is kind of fun to watch. They were trading the lead back and forth. Uh, the the highlight clip itself is worth a, worth a good watch there on uh, YouTube. Uh, three laps later, the two got together, causing Gravel to spin, but he kept his car going and continued, but he had a little bit of damage and then forced him to the work area, and that handed the lead over to Brad Sweet. Uh, being that I think uh, both those cars were involved, I think that allowed Brad Sweet to take the race lead. I think they penalized. I I didn't quite catch what really happened on that one. Um, One lap after the restart, Donnie Schatz hit the wall, causing a wild series of flips, and he collected Robbie Price. On lap 33, Sheldon Hoddenshield had a right rear let go, ending his bid for the win. Uh, Brad Sweet cruised on to the win after that. James McFadden ended up in second. Logan Schuhart finished in third. Shots was credited with a 17th after that wild ride, and Taco Timmy Estenson finished in the 23rd position. All right, and so for points, that puts leaves Carson Macedo in the lead, right? He had the lead last week. Yes, he just barely took it over for David Gravel, who is starting to slide back a little bit now. I see that. So Carson Macedo in first with 1,826 points. In second is Brad Sweet, 12 points back. Then David Gravel, 20 points back. In the fourth spot is Logan Schuhart, 56 points behind. And rounding out the top five in points is Buddy Kofoid, 72 points back. Our guy Donnie Schatz is nine in ninth place, 162 points back in the point standings. Next up, Friday and Saturday, April 28th and 29th, which means they've got this weekend off. Uh, the 28th and 29th, they will be at the Tri-County Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. Not the Tri-County Speedway in Wishick. That track's nope. not ready yet. No, not not quite yet. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been down there, but I'm guessing it's not quite ready to rock and roll quite yet. But yeah, going to the points in this one, just a couple of weeks ago, David Gravel was in the lead by a bit, by quite a bit. And, you know, Macedo was, Brad Sweet was in third. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this was, uh, this was quite different out here. Donnie Schatz was actually, I think, in sixth. So that's that just you have a bad night yeah. and right now this early in the season it just goes to show that it can really hurt you right away. Yep. And you know it's still within striking distance between the top 3 at least. Yep. Between for uh, sure. with sweet and gravel right there. Yeah. So I mean this is going to be fun to watch for <laughs> for a few weeks and uh but you know it's tough 
it's bad news for everybody else if Brad Sweet's winning mm-hmm. because he tends to put a lot of wins together. Sure. So, yeah. He likes to stack them. All right. So moving on to spoilers, breakdowns, and setup sheets, we've got a spoiler for you, uh, documentary. Yeah, I think I texted you at the about the ninth hour on this one. Yeah, you did. Eleventh hour on this one. You did, and you said, "Ah, it's like an hour long." I, you know, I was, it wasn't that bad. You said it was. <laughs> you said what is like a half hour, and I said it's an hour, and well, it's an hour and twenty five minutes. So we're both right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called. Uh, it's an episode of Bad Sport, which they go and they kind of do almost like a dark side of the ring kind of thing where they do like the crazy stories that happens with sports. Uh, and this one, the episode is called need for weed. And after, well, after I told you about this, I realized that we're recording this on 420. So <laughs> this was not intentional, it, but it worked out great. Yep, yeah, like you said, um, my tagline on this one is, in the 80s, Randy Lanier was a South Florida small-time pot dealer who quit dealing to become a race car driver with a modest amount of success. But when Lanier needed the money to bring his team to the next level, he had to turn to the only way he knew how. That's <laughs> that's kind of all I got of that one. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, so your, your rating... Uh, it's it's going to be the same as yours. I mean, you might as well go. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Well, keeping with the 420 theme, I, I give it 100% green flag. <laughs> yeah, uh, gr- I agree Green on flag one. on this one. I uh, I liked how it was done. I liked uh, this. The story is fantastic and uh, w- well-produced. And, um, you know, sometimes you'll get a documentary where you're like, oh, boy, this is, you know, I, I'm not interested in it anymore. I was interested in the whole time because there was – the fact that when he did race, he was really good. Not only that, he did everything he could. Yeah, he was he was a really good race car driver. Uh, he just didn't have any any money to do it. So he st- starts small time. He starts like any good business owner should. He starts uh, small time, dabbling in uh, uh, you know peddling marijuana, and then uh, eventually he's moving. Barges, hundreds, hundred, yeah, barges, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds and of, hundreds of pounds of it, hundreds yeah, of thousands, hundreds of, pounds. of thousands of pounds of of marijuana, uh, and uh, it's it's interesting how he how he started, how that business grew, and then uh, like uh, like all things uh, nefarious like this, um, eventually caught up with him, and uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to give anything away at the end, but uh, it is. Uh, uh, it, it is you sometimes a lot of times uh your your bad actions don't just affect you uh they affect people around you and sometimes people who uh um are really not just not just uh not you know on the on the outside edges of the the nefarious things you're doing but um, not at all involved in the right. bad things that you're doing. So it was it was really good. A, a green flag, a great documentary. Um, uh, I'm glad that you told me about it. Uh, I'm glad for a while I was like, ah, it's late. I'm not. I'll, <laughs> I'll just go along with whatever he says. I'm glad I watched it because it was really good. And, you know, one of the things that's also great about it, along with the way that it's put together, is that everybody is 100% truthful in everything that they're saying. Mm-hmm. And they are like refresh, refre- refreshingly truthful. Yeah. And and uh, and it's it's kind of funny. Like 
you know, I've been I, I've been watching a lot of like The Godfather and stuff like that lately. So mm-hmm. when they met up towards the end, when there was a meeting towards the end between some of the characters in this, yeah, I shouldn't even call them characters; they're real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yep. the players in the story. Yep, that I thought someone's getting whacked. <laughs> I you know I was I was wondering about that too. <laughs> I th- I thought something was gonna happen yep. here, but but uh, you know it's it, it's an incredible story, Randy Lanier. Um, who like, like we said, became a heck of a racer and got some attention from some really big people and decided yeah. he was going to stick it out on his own and that might have been his fatal mistake in there. His his uh, yeah he couldn't leave well enough alone. He just uh, he's like well I have success on my own why should I stop? Yeah and and you see that theme between uh, you know um, hey I I made a million dollars getting this marijuana uh, shipment well that's not enough. I want ten million. It was the eighties. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it, it, they, it perfectly encapsulated what the entire attitude of the eighties was all about. Yeah, yeah, really good. All the way down to decently covered original uh, versions of music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whoever was singing "The Heat Is On" did not sound like Glenn Fry, though. No, not really. <laughs> so, if you do have Netflix or planning on getting ne- Netflix, check out that series "Bad Sport." It was done so well. I'm going to go back and watch some of those other ones. Um, I hadn't even really paid much attention to it until you brought this episode to me. So, Bad Sport series on Netflix. This episode is called The Need for Weed. We both give it a 100% green flag. Go check it out. That's our best rating we've given anything. And, uh, yeah. And I think the yeah. only time we've ever really agreed. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> it might be. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, we had some locals racing on the national scene. What do we got going on? Well, on Friday, April 14th, Fargo's Tortilla Timmy Essenson, after the night after wrecking against the uh, out, uh, the Outlaws, actually, I believe this is Saturday, excuse me, but uh, Saturday the 15th, uh, Tim Essenson passed 11 cars of the IRA Sprint cars to finish in the second spot on Saturday night's race uh, with the IRA Sprints in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, uh, Saturday, April 4th, 15th. Uh, Dave Kane also raced on that Saturday, uh, and he made the trip from Corcoran, Minnesota to Ardmore, Oklahoma, not far from where Tiger King took place, by the way. Oh, yeah. Another <laughs> another uh, Netflix uh, uh, series to go check out. Uh, and he finished in the third spot in the IMCA Modified feature. That kind of reminds me there was a thing where I, I, I came up with an idea. I, I noticed something once mm-hmm. that when Tiger King came out and they're talking about all the places these, are, these people were from, yep. I'd worked very close to every one of those places for, at a racetrack. So nice. yeah, because you know Carol Baskin over in Tampa, and sure. you had where you know East Bay's in Tampa. Yep. Then Ardmore, Oklahoma, not far from Linwood. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, you were close. It's, <laughs> I could have been involved. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you weren't. <laughs> so all right, other racing news on Saturday, April fifteenth, was the hundred thousand dollars to win XR Super Series. At Volunteer Speedway in Bulls Gap, Tennessee, Dale McDowell led all 100 laps to win $100,000 in the first ever XR event at an absolutely packed Volunteer Speedway. Mike Marler finished second, and Hudson O'Neill finished in the third spot. That, again, was Saturday, April 15th. When was the last time you saw a check for hundred grand? I don't think I've ever had one. Yeah, me neither. Nope. nope. Uh, I think I had a hundred dollars one time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty close to being a hundred air. Uh, Tuesday, April 18th, Castro Fullo uh, Racing Night in America at Eldora Speedway in Rossburg, Ohio. Mike Marler was the winner in the Super Late Models on Tuesday night over Tim McCready and Tanner English. But the real story of the event was Kyle Larson, who jumped into a UMP modified 
and took the win for a record seventh different racing class at Eldora. So he's won in a wingless sprint, a midget, a silver crown car. So that takes all the USAC cars sure. right out of the thing there. He's won all three of those. He's won in a NASCAR truck. He's won in a wing sprint, a dirt late model, and now a dirt modified. Unbelievable. And this, this is after, I think, finishing ninth in the late model earlier that night, too. Yeah. that's It's just, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, Wednesday, April 19th, they were at Brownstown Speedway. Ricky Thornton Jr. was the super late model winner over Mike Marler and Devin Moran. Kyle Larson again did double duty and finished sixth in the super late models and fifth in the modifieds. Then we move on to IndyCar racing where Sunday, April 16th, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood picked up the win but by only a second over Roman Grosjean. Who is the defending Indy with the defending Indy 500 winner Marcus Erickson rounding out the podium in the points? Marcus Erickson's leading with 110 points. Pato Award is in second with 95. Alex Pillow in third and 91. What's next for them? That'll be Sunday, April 30th, Barber Motorsports Park, 3 p.m. on NBC. That'll be network TV for them, so we'll see how their ratings do uh, be, do for them right there. Be interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Some schedule releases. Yeah, we have the Super D Speedway in Monoman County Fairgrounds, the Enduro Series. Now, this track really hasn't ha- hasn't had much action over the last, I don't know, most of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. I know they raced, you know, as much as they could back in the '80s and stuff. Uh, they never really had much of a regular racing schedule, but they do have uh, more than the, their usual amount of enduro races. And the reason why it's called Super D Speedway, if you look at the if you look at it on Google Images. It looks like a D. Oh, like yeah, perfect. Front straightaway is straight, uh-huh. and turns one and two. I mean, turns one is really tight on entry, and then it kind of just kind of goes out and always stays in a D shape. Really, there are softball fields in the infield too. So nice. So it's kind of shaped around those. That's cool. Um, so the uh, their first race is Saturday, May twenty seventh at four p.m. Then they go to Saturday, June twenty fourth at four p.m. Sunday, June second. 2 p.m. during the Monoman County Fair, Saturday, uh, July 22nd around 4 p.m., Saturday, August 26th at 4, Saturday, September 23rd also at 4. And that, again, that's the Monoman County Fairgrounds, their Enduro Series they have going on this year. All right, and then the Wadena County Fairgrounds has an Enduro Series. On Sunday, May 21st, they will race at 1 o'clock. Friday, June 23rd at 6 o'clock, an evening race. Then back to the afternoons for Sunday, July 9th, 1 o'clock. Sunday, July 30th, 1 o'clock. Sunday, August 19th at 1 o'clock. And that rounds out the schedule for the Wadena County Fairgrounds Enduro Series. i got to thank uh, Josh Johnson, a uh, good friend of mine, and a uh, race car driver, and pretty much well, he's got a modified, a late model a sprint car a wingless sprint he does wow. he's done a little bit of everything uh josh johnson is the one that posted those on facebook so i took them uh from and he made, even made a nice little picture for him and put i think he pretty much did all their their mm-hmm. social media work for him and and because of that i'm gonna be hopefully checking out a couple of those races this year if i get the chance to so nice. thanks again there josh uh we move on there to the to the uh 2023 tougher than dirt tour which is june 6th through the 11th Six tracks and six nights for the IMCA Hobby Stocks and IMCA Sport Mods. They started off Tuesday, June 9th at the McLean County Speedway in Underwood, North Dakota. Then it's Wednesday, June 7th at the Southwest Speedway in Dickinson, North Dakota. Thursday, June 8th, Williston Basin Speedway in Williston. Friday, June 9th at the Estevan Motor Speedway in Estevan, Saskatchewan. Saturday, June 10th, Thunder Mountain Speedway in Botno, North Dakota. 
And uh, Sunday, June 11th, they ended at the Nodoc Speedway in Minot, North Dakota. All events uh, are on Darn TV. Um, and this is almost like the – there's two tracks in this one, though, that I have not been to. And, it, and it's almost like the um, the uh, uh, Dakota Mod Tour, but in reverse. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually we, we start in Jamestown, go to Minot, and then work our way around Williston Dickinson in Mandan. Sure. And uh, – but this is the other way around. We go to Dickinson, Williston, to uh, then they eventually end up in in uh, Estevan, then Minot. Um, so it's nice to nice to see them doing this tour again. I, I can't remember how many years they've been doing this one, but uh, it's been been picking up. It's a nice little tour for some classes that don't really get their day in the sun. Mm-hmm. The, the hobby stocks and sport mods. So yeah. that'll be a good good one out there. Yeah, that's some tall driving. So uh, what else could be next? World of Outlaws late models. They will race tonight. That is, again, April 20th as we record this. 411 Motor Speedway in Seymour, Tennessee. Uh, Tomorrow night, Friday night and uh, Saturday night. That's April 21st and 22nd. Talladega Short Track, Alabama Gang 100. That will be live on Dirt Vision. And then uh, the ARCA Menard Series is running as well. Yeah, they have the General Tire 200 at Talladega Super Speedway. You can watch Fargo's Bryce Haugeberg and Winnipeg's Amber Balkin, a couple people that are friends of the show. Uh, they'll be uh, racing at 12.30 Eastern time. That is their <laughs> advertised start time and on, <laughs> on Fox Sports 1. All right. So that wraps it up for this week's episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Make sure to download that. Uh, subscribe um, so that you never miss uh, an episode. Uh, just go to wherever you get your podcasts and find Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap and uh, click the subscribe button, however you do it, wherever you get your podcasts. So for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time for Checkers and Wreckers victory lap.